You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. This 21 days of prayer, it's all based on 2 Chronicles 7:14, and it's this passage that says, If my people, my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, come down and heal their land. And we think that's a really nice, um, that's, it's a really good passage. It encapsulates that partnership that we have with God in seeing our nation change, in seeing our families changed. Uh, but we believe that prayer and worship are the premier assignment of the church. And so we want to start this year with prayer. We want to start this year with worship. And we've got a worship evening planned for the end of January. Um, so please engage. Try and come on board with this. Um, it will be really good to see you there on, do you remember the date? The 28th of January. So we're meeting in, in CRC in Hereford from 7. Um, so put it in your diaries. It'll be on the WhatsApp, but make sure it's in there. Do as much as you can to be there. Prayer and worship are so key, so important. I loved it when we're singing in that song. It says, I will adore you. I will adore you with everything that I have. I will adore you. It's action. It's, it's with something that we do, and it's something that we put in place. So what we're doing is, elders, we're going to have, um, you're going to have five preaches um, consecutively on this passage. And each one of us as elders is going to take one passage or one part of the passage and preach it. Now, the only problem is, of course, if we're all doing this, we can't all be in the same place at the same time. And so we're going to be out of sequence. So um, today I'm preaching on the last bit. So the last is now first. <laughs> The last is now first. So, um, so Tony's going to come and talk about identity. Uh, JP is going to talk about people who humble themselves. Jason is going to come and talk about praying and seeking my face. Tim is going to talk about repentance. And I'm talking about revival or open heaven. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, my experience of revival is from books and from TV programs, and, um, or what we may call revival. But actually, what I really wanted to talk to you about today was this, this stone. And what I want to speak about is, apologetically to everybody else, is probably quite focused on Ross and where God's bringing us to as a church. Um, because when we first came to this place, it was... I don't know if you all know the story. We've got visitors here and stuff. So I'm sorry for visitors. This is quite, um, quite Ross, Rossy. But we prayed as a church. We were getting too big. The children's work room at Judah was too small. We needed to move. And so we prayed. Lord, you know, we need to start thinking about a new place. Give us some guidance. And then within a week, we'd had an invitation to say, well, why don't you come and have a look at this building within a week? And so... We think that's sort of, oh my goodness, a message from the Lord, that we should 
come and have a look. So we came and had a look, and almost instantly, along with lots of you, the place already feels like home. Um, and we can feel God's presence here. But one of the things that I thought when we came through, I noticed this stone, it was outside. And I'm thinking, well, do you know what it's like when sometimes you think something is significant? When there's something about something that you know. It's a bit like um, Pharaoh, you know, with the story of um, Joseph. Pharaoh knew that dream of seven thin cows and seven fat. It was important. It was something. And, And I just had one of those things that I think this is important. I don't know what it means. And then I think about, well, what does it mean, Lord? What, what are you trying to say? And I thought, well, you know, there'd been an old church building here uh, before us. The Methodists have been here. They'd set up a building. They built a new building. You know, it's, there's a lot of legacy from that, from the prayers of people that have been here for a long time, that there's a lot happened in the past. And, and you know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants and that we're standing on what's already gone behind us, and we're the answer to a lot of prayers that have gone before, that we're coming, we're building church, we're doing the things that God wants us to do. Well, that sounds quite good, it's, and I think that could be it. But then, no, still, there's something else, there's something different about this stone. And I was led to this passage, and it's in, could somebody get me a glass of water? Please. Okay. Um, and it's in Genesis. I'm not going to read this bit to you. Right. It's Genesis chapter 28. And it's a story about Jacob. Do you remember Jacob and Esau were brothers? That Jacob had stolen Esau's birthright. And we come to the stage where Esau's not particularly very happy about this, and um, his mother hears that actually Esau's going to try and kill Jacob. So he's, so he's on the run. So we pick the story up in Genesis 28, and it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones where he had put it, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like dust on the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done that which I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely... The Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. 
He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. So the story of Jacob's ladder. And the bit that stood out to me was obviously the stone that he sets up a pillar. That it's surely God is in this place and I wasn't aware of it. If you have a look at this stone, I mean, it's not, it's not a pillar, but it's, it's got a pillar bit at the top. And, um, and I, just, I just felt the Lord speaking that, you know, this is significant for us. You know, God is here. His presence is with us. His presence dwells in the church. That now is the day of salvation, that now is the time when the church is being made beautiful, is being made into a bride. We hear all these stories, especially just recently, about the church declining and going backwards and nobody coming. But actually, the church is being made beautiful, that Jesus dwells in his church. He's with his people. He's with us. He's here right now where two or three are gathered together in my name, that Jesus is here. You know, it's interesting in this story that because of this one encounter, the whole DNA of that space, of that area, changed. That it used to be known for what the agricultural was locally. It was Lutz or almonds, almond tree. And God changes the name to Bethel. Or Jacob changes the name to Bethel. God is here. This is the gate of heaven. The DNA had changed because of the encounter that he had. And all throughout the Bible, and you'll see it, that this place, Bethel, is a place of encounter. It's a place where people come back to. It's a place where God is. And, you know, I think it's so significant that it becomes famous for encounters. The sanctuary eventually was built there. It's also significant that he sets up a pillar and not an altar. And I think a pillar is often referred to in society. We use it as a plumb line or a place that creates justice. It's a place of uprightness. It's a place which is a good example, a place of integrity in a building. A pillar upholds, supports and maintains the integrity of the structure. Without the pillar, without that, the building collapses. Justice is a pillar of society. In Proverbs, it mentions seven pillars of which justice is one. The rule of law and law is so important. And we have, if you've driven here today, you'll know, especially if you've come from Hereford, the importance of law. We have these social agreements that protect us. In this country, we drive on the left-hand side of the road. It is the left, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we drive on the left side. But the only thing separating us from the traffic coming the other way is a four-inch, 100-millimeter, 10-centimeter white line. It's the only thing that separates us. But the pillar, the law, is the thing that says you stick to your side of the road. And so pillars, laws, are, are so important to us. 
Without them, there's chaos, there's mayhem. In the book of Judges, it says this. It says, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And if you've read through the book of Judges, anyone read through the book of Judges recently? You've got one king after another that fails to uphold and to believe in the faith in God and do what is right and do as it says in the law. And what happens is just chaos and mayhem. And everybody does what they think is right in their own eyes. And how much does that look like life today? How much does that look like society is going? We're turning away from the Lord. We're turning away from Scripture. We're turning away from all the pillars that were put in place. Because we're thinking, actually, not because we want to do anything bad. We think we're doing good. People are confused about gender. That what am I? Well, you can be whatever you want to be. It's just confusion. And, you know, this pervasiveness is just running throughout society and schools and everywhere because the pillar is being taken away. I said here, we're living in a time where we as a nation are beginning to turn away from God. Society, we can see, is floundering. Family life is breaking down. There's less and less respect for authority. Everyone is beginning to do what is right in their own eyes. There's a generation of children growing up without fathers. There's less and less wisdom and guidance. There's confusion over gender. You can be whoever or whatever you want to be, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. The problem is it does hurt everyone. It does hurt. You know, Karis comes home with you know, stories of some of the children and the homes and the brokenness and the loneliness and the fear and the mayhem that it just causes. You know, it's, oh my goodness. Sounds bleak, doesn't it? There's never been so many mental health issues, suicides, homelessness, drug, alcohol abuse, self-harming, deaths, all in the pursuit of freedom, because I'm free to do what I like. But, you know, I think we're coming to this time, and it ties in so nicely with this whole thing about being pregnant with revival, because I believe that God is coming. I believe that he wants to set up the pillar again, that he wants to show people there is righteousness, there is goodness, there is kindness, and he wants to bring that. And the thing is, Jesus is the pillar. The pillar is him. The pillar is his love. The pillar is his grace. Isn't it great? I mean, Gavin's song, just the most amazing words. Can you put it, can you put it in the first verse up? <laughs> Hallelujah. There's an assurance that we don't stand alone. We can dwell in the shelter of the Most High King. We rest in the shadow of his wings. He is our refuge and our fortress of unfailing love. His faithfulness to us, the way that he speaks to us, the way that he teaches us, the way that he's provided his word, a way to live. It's all there. What was the next verse? Or the last one. <laughs> he breaks the guilt and shame. There is power in his name. When the darkness consumes, his light will shine through. Christ 
has won the victory. As the grave was overcome, he paid the price so we could be set free. Free to live, free to be, free. Freedom that brings life, that brings peace, that brings joy, that brings hope. You know, Jesus is the stone. Matthew 12, it says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets, but a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. We know this hope. We know this. The Holy Spirit is within us. Jesus has come. We know him. We know his nature. We know his kindness. We know his love. He is the connection. He is the pillar. He is the space between heaven and earth. On earth as in heaven. This is who we serve. This is who we love. This is who has opened our eyes to see. He's the connection. He's the gate. He's the hinge. He takes the weight to open the door. In him there is light. There is no darkness. He is the way. He's the truth. He is the light. He is the wisdom. He is everything that we need. He's everything that we've got. In coming here, I believe that he's actually increasing our capacity because in a darker world or a darkening world, needs a greater light. Uh, when we were on holiday this year, we went to, um, I went for a walk where we were and there was, there was an, a lighthouse, an old lighthouse, and it was, it was tiny. It was dwarfed in comparison to a new lighthouse that had been built. And I just, as, as I was there, I just felt the Lord saying, look, a darkening world needs a greater light. With more capacity, I can reach further, wider, deeper, because there's so many to reach. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. He's increasing our capacity. He's drawing near. He's drawing close. JP talks, you remember the thing about the bakery smell? You know, when we come, when we worship, when we lift up the name of Jesus, Something happens, there's a connection. It says, I inhabit the praises of my people, that the Lord is here. It's Christmas every day. <laughs> you know, it's not a one-time thing. He's always here. He comes, inhabits our praises. But we are the pillars. You're a pillar. Wherever you go, you take that pillar. You know, when Nikki is in the arts, she's taking a pillar to the arts. When you go to the gym, you're taking, you're putting a pillar in the arts. When our guys go a mentor at John Curl, they're putting a pillar of justice is going in that place because the Lord is going with them. People are coming to us to say, can you help us? The school, can you come and mentor our kids? They're so broken. We don't know what to do. Where do we go? Where do we do? But a pillar is being established in that school, in those lives because you guys are going there. A pillar's being established 
in the mothers and toddlers, the name is going to, that others are going. Wherever we go, we take that pillar. Where there's hopelessness, Calvin and um, Linda, when they're praying for people, desperate need for healing, they're taking a pillar of goodness. And we're being called where there's no hope to take this pillar. Claire in the surgery, taking a pillar of righteousness. She's not just a doctor. There's something different going on. She's taking Jesus. She's taking the pillar. Our family, the tennis club, your village, you know, James, Naomi, they're taking the pillar to Whitchurch. Something's happening. There's a connection. God's bringing You know, the greatest weapon that the enemy can muster is to disengage the most powerful people on the planet into thinking they don't matter. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I go on a Sunday. It doesn't matter if I go to life group. It doesn't matter if I, go, if I don't go to a prayer meeting. It doesn't matter. But who's saying that? Who's speaking that over us? Who's speaking that over you? Disengaging the most powerful people on the planet. You are the most powerful people on the planet right now. That you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That you are the pillar. You are so important. We are so important. I think sometimes in, with trying to be so humble, we actually forget what we carry and who we are and who you are and the authority that we carry for the broken, for the lost, for people who don't know where to turn. The plumb line, that we are that plumb line, that you are that the plumb line. It is foolish, foolishness, to be given the most powerful weapon against injustice in the world and not use it. Why would you not pray? The prayers of the righteous are, saying it again, powerful and effective with the breaking down of strongholds. Remember, we take captive arguments and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to what God says. I'm going to embarrass Sue. You know, the kingdom of God isn't like the kingdom on earth. What looks like the weakest, insignificant, actually is the most powerful. I look at Sue. I'm sorry to embarrass you, Sue. But this is a lady that prays. This is a lady that understands the power of the kingdom of God. She is a mighty warrior and an example to us all. And I just, you know, we are so much more powerful. You are so much more important than you think you are. I think when it comes down, we talk about revival. You know, what, what are we saying? If my people who are called by my name or humble themselves, or seek my face, or turn away from their sin, I will come down. The promise is 
that God will come down, that he's with us. He's here. He's here right now. And he is desperate to work. Remember that Christmas passage? I love it. Isaiah 9, it says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. A great light has dawned. And it says it's the zeal of the Lord Almighty that will accomplish this. We have a God who's desperate to reach Ross and White. He's desperate to reach into the lives of the children there. He's desperate to inhabit the praises of his people. And that's who we are. We have this obligation. We have this opportunity that we are so powerful. Never, never underestimate the importance of Christ in you. Chosen, purpose, he sees you. You've got the high vis on. But it's, but it is, it doesn't happen overnight. Pregnant with revival. I think the Lord is saying there's a process. We're going to go through that whole passage. This is why it's a bit of a pain coming at the beginning. Do you know what I mean? If my people, what does it mean to be my people? What does it mean to carry the name of God? What does it mean to own that name? You know, God says to us, go and use my name. Use it to heal. Use it to bring peace. Use it to restore relationships. Use my name. Use it to reach into the youth. You know, the youth of Ross. You know, it's like, oh, it's a big problem. It's not a big problem to God. But what he wants is people to come and bring light and to bring truth and to bring love and to bring justice for those kids, for those families. Come on. Just let's prepare our hearts. I was out running this week. Was it this week? It, this week. it can't have been this week because it was raining all week. So it must have been last week. But in the, the thing about running at night is you don't need a torch. The light of the stars is usually enough. And, over, and where we live, northern hemisphere, we have the plough. I'm not, in a, not in, into astronomy or whatever, but, but I can see the plough and I know that sign. And I just was reminded, it was a, a message James to say, we had a message, didn't we? We had a word that came about the plough and about a plough furrowing through Herefordshire. And, and I was just reminded that actually... We, that plow is over us all the time. And God is plowing a furrow in front of us. That he is guiding us, that he is providing the plow. The furrow, it's very farming. And I just think that ties in really nicely with what JP was saying earlier on. That we have seeds in our life. And wherever we go, we take this seed we take this life and we take this up. We don't plough the furrow. God, I think by invitation, is showing us where he's going. And we go behind him with the seed that he's given us to plant. Seeds of hope, seeds of love, seeds of joy, seeds of kindness, a word in season. That is who we are. And this is what we carry. All this from a stone. That God is setting up a pillar of justice for Ross. And it's a big challenge to us. We're just 
Well, we're not quite such a small church as we were, but we're a small church, but we're full of significant people that carry the most powerful thing in the world, the love of God for people. It's a great opportunity. We have so much. We sing so much of the joy of the Lord being our strength and all of this stuff that we know. And yet, it's not for here. It's for here. It's for the town. It's for everybody. It's for the kids in those broken homes. God is with us. God of Jacob is our stronghold. I'm going to pray. Um, I wanted to sound a bit more joyful, but I don't know whether I have. But um, you are powerful people, and God is calling us, and God is calling us to listen. Where's that plow being furrowed? What are the seeds that I have in my hand? What do I possess? What have I got? Five loaves, two fishes, all of that. I haven't got very much. God is the God of multiplication. Bring everything that we've got. It says, bring what you've got into the storehouse and just see if I won't pour out so much blessing that you won't know what to do with it. I'm going to pray. I was thinking perhaps we should anoint this with oil or something. I don't know. It's a bit weird, isn't it? But this is a challenge. We've, you know, we're coming up to this season. You know, we're doing this passage. If my people, it's you. You're the people. You say something? Before Andrew prays, uh, I just felt God saying about the stone. And I fully believe that God wants to. We are living stones. The Bible says like this. And Living stones in the wrong place, they, they don't bless, they disturb. If you put a stone like this in the middle of the road, no one will like the stone. It is true. If, if you put the stone in the wrong place, put the stone inside your shoe. Who likes a shoe, a stone inside your shoe? No one does. So I fully believe that God... Prophetically, he wants to place you in the right place this year. And you've been asking, God, where is my place? What should I do? Revival will come when the storms are in the right place. Right? They don't disturb, but they bless. And they don't block the road. But they make it smooth. So as we pray, I want to also pray and ask, ask, ask Andrew to pray for us as well. Asking God to place us where we should be. We can be this blessing. Wherever you are is where God has placed you. The people that you're around are the people where God has placed you. Your family, your friends, your colleagues, fellow students, wherever. But there's a boldness. I think that we need, there's a courage that we need, there's faith that we need. But Jesus is always the cornerstone. Everything is aligned to him.
really looking forward. We're going to go on after this series to do um, a gospel and look at what Jesus says and how he shows us and how he teaches us to live. And if I'm honest, I want to get into that. But, you know, this is preparation. So let's stand. Let's stand together. Sorry, guys. So Andrew put his cup full with water on the rock. Do you remember a story when Moses was challenged by the people because they were thirsty? So when you're thirsty, the rock is Jesus. Just put your cup there. He will give you water. He will give you water. So we have to be, become friends of this rock, of Jesus. There's so many significance on this stone and... You know, the living water comes from Jesus, from the Spirit. Just try to connect to this stone. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's really heavy, that stone. I had to move it in here. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that it's you that is the stone. You are the pillar that through you, heaven came to earth. And we can go up and down that ladder, that space of heaven on earth as in heaven because of Jesus. Because you have broken the yoke, that you've broken the chain of sin that binds us. And that you're no longer policing sin, but you're promoting righteousness. And we are righteous in your eyes. And our heart is to serve you and to love you because you've opened our eyes. You've, you've shown us the light, that we are people of the light, that we know you. We know your nature. We know your goodness. Lord, we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We are desperately not wanting to keep it to ourselves. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit within us, we just say, as your church, as your people, would you come? Would you help us? Would you breathe life into our fearful hearts? Would you bring so much courage that we can't but help speak of you and speak out of what you've done in our lives, what you've shown us? Lord, we all know that there are so many people that we know that are broken that are looking in the wrong place, that are hurting themselves, not because they're evil, because they're good. You created them in your image. So, Lord, we just pray that your love would just pour out over our hearts and our minds. Lord, we just want to stand before you and say, Lord, would you use us? Would you come and inhabit this place, our minds, and our hearts, and our money, and our finance, and our time, and our energy. Lord, we want to be those that bring hope. We want to be those that introduce Jesus. Because you solve the problem. You fill the hole. You fill the gap that everybody is searching and looking for. That only you can satisfy 
none but Jesus. So we give you permission, Holy Spirit, as we turn to you in this, in this 21 days of prayer, this and, and our worship time, Lord, thank you that you come. Thank you that you're here. Two or three are gathered. I'm there. So you're here.